Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, if you write in your Bible, this is a good two words to write, because I'm going to have a lot to say about it. They said to themselves, not to Joseph, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Now, what if is not a game. I used to talk about the what if as a game. It's not a game. It's Satan's path to worry. Do you worry about stuff? Sure you do. Everyone does at one time or another. Have you found out, like many people do, that worrying about a matter doesn't fix the problem? That seems to be the universal consensus anyway. Worrying can always cause you to make poor decisions. Pastor Mark will be teaching about one of those instances today. You'll hear about Joseph's brothers going back and deciding to lie to Joseph because of the what-if scenario they had created in their minds you'll discover the tie between worry and lack of faith and how to overcome worry. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Genesis, chapter 39, as he begins his message, Only God can take the bad and make it good. question I have for you, but I don't want you to answer it because I'm going to answer it later. But I want you to start thinking about this. How did Joseph end up in Egypt? Was it because the evil treatment of his brothers or was it because of God's plans? Now, don't answer now because you're going to be wrong. And I'll share with you at the end what the real answer is. Now, we finished the book of Genesis today. Two things happen that are, well, we'll talk about it, but not in real big detail. Uh, Jacob and Joseph, during these passages, during this time, die. And so that will be a part of it as we go through. We begin in Genesis 47, verse 28. Now, Jacob lived in Egypt. 17 years. So after Jacob and the whole family got to Egypt, where Joseph was, he lived 17 years there. And the years of his life were 147. Now, when the time drew near for Israel to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, if I found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt. But when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. He's talking about the patriarchs. 
Now, when you see the, the older people, that's what he's talking about. These people, I'll, I'll give you the definition as he goes. Now, the patriarchs, when they're there, they're special people. They were the starters of Israel. Now, look at this. And carry me out of Egypt and bear me where they are. I will do as you say, Joseph said. Swear to me, he said. Then Joseph swore to him, and Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. He was really near death. Now, having reached that age where death was near, Jacob, two things he did. He began to bless the children that were left. The 18, he starts with Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And then in the rest of 49, you can read it on your own. We're not going there today. He calls the other sons together, and he receives a prophetic word from God about their future, what their future is going to be like. And Joseph's words, when you read it, it's very interesting. Their future history, some of the words included blessings. So-and-so, this is what's going to happen to you. But some of them included curses. It's very different. Now, scoot over to verse 28, chapter 49, verse 28, and you'll see how he summarizes this at the end. Now, when you get there, just two chapters away, all these, all that I talked about, his sons, his grandsons there, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is what their father said to them when he blessed them, giving each the blessing appropriate to him. So blessings and then difficult kind of curses. This is what's going to happen to you because you're not going to be faithful. Verse 29. Then he gave them these instructions. I'm about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave of the field of Ephron the Hittite, the cave in which Machpelah, near Mamre and Canaan, where Abraham bought as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite along the field. There Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah were buried. And I buried one of my wives, Leah. The field and the cave in it were bought from the Hittites. So here Jacob didn't want to end up in Egypt. Why? Because God had promised these patriarchs especially starting with Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that the land of Israel, Canaan, would be theirs. So he doesn't want to be buried in Egypt. He wants to be buried in the promised land. By the way, the Jewish nation still owns that place today. Of course, many people in other religions don't believe that, but that was biblical from the very first day that Abraham was given the promise by God. Now look at verse 33. When Jacob had finished giving these instructions to his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. Now, the end of the life of the last great patriarchs, there they are, Abraham, you just heard it, Isaac, and Jacob. But one of the great things in the Bible is a principle, sometimes we think it's all about us. It's all about Abraham. It's all about Isaac. It's all about Jacob. It's all about Joseph. Well, not really. When you see the end, A.W. Tozer, a great pastor, wrote this statement. Look at this statement. When a man of God dies, nothing of God dies. 
Now, we're not just talking about pastors. By the way, Abraham, he died. Did anybody take his place? Of course. Isaac. And then who? Jacob. So when you say a man of God, a woman of God, I'm not just talking about leadership. I'm talking about people, Christians. Because when you see this happening, when a Christian woman, a man dies, why is there two principles to that? Number one, it reduces in Christ followers some people who think too highly of themselves. Well, Pastor Mark, when my gift is amazing with music, and when I die, nobody can match me. Hello. (laughs) You know, some people think, and I want to be kind with this. (laughs) You already know, don't you? Well, Pastor Mark, are you ever going to die? Give me a break. I'm not going to 147. No problem. Well, I don't know that this church is going to fall apart. You're crazy. This is not my church. This is God's church. It doesn't matter. In fact, I've learned of something else that's a little discouraging to me. The next person that comes in your life to take your role, the musician, the servant, the pastor, guess what? They're usually better than the first one. Don't laugh. That's you too. Whoever replaces you will be different. They'll be better. Praise the Lord. It just gets better and better and better. So the second thing is this. It reminds us that God's plans are not about me or you. He'll always bring somebody else along. So I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, I'm not indispensable. Come on, turn to your neighbor right now. (laughs) Exactly. That was good for you, wasn't it? Because when you're gone, you're gone. Now, I have to tell you something. When I got hired on as a miracle from God, when we moved to Florida, remember, I walked into a a Wusoff hospital, talked to a guy, the administrator the next day said, come on back, we were on vacation. I said, do you have any kind of a job? I came back the next day, he says, you got the job, you're the head of pharmacy. I went, well, it's about time. No, I did not. (laughs) And so a couple months later, I met with him in the office, and I didn't really know what that was all about. So he came to the office, he said, look at this glass. I said, okay. And he put his finger in it, and then he took it out. He said, was there any change? I said, no, except for one drop on your finger. He said, that's how valuable you are. (laughs) You're slowly getting it. I got it right away. In other words, when I'm gone, no big deal. You're gone, so what? It's the same. Somebody else will take your place. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. By the way, he didn't fire me. I outlasted him. I was there 25 years. So I want to go back. No, I won't do that at all. <laughs> no, that's prideful. All right. You're indispensable. Ha, ha, ha. Not a chance. We're all, all indispensable. Ha, ha, ha. Genesis 50. Go over to chapter 50. No one in this room is God. Only God's indispensable. And Joseph threw himself upon his father and wept over him and kissed him. Now, every single person, by and large, that I'm speaking to, we've been at a funeral of a friend or a loved one. And those emotional experiences that you see there is exactly the same. He wept. He kissed his father. You know, there's a passage in life when we face people's dying. It's emotional. 
But the Bible speaks something about it. Look at this verse from King Solomon. Ecclesiastes 3.4. There is a time to weep. And there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. And there's a time to dance. Now, why that? Well, notice, there is a time to weep. There is a time to mourn. That's natural. When we lose somebody, especially a relative, a friend, a child, we're emotional. We miss them being here. They're gone. Now, if they're a Christian, we don't miss them like an unbeliever because they're in heaven. We're going to see them again. But what's the deal Solomon saying, not only a time to weep, but there's a time to laugh, not only a time to mourn, but a time to dance. It simply means this. We'll never forget that person that passed, but we can't live in the past. You have to move on. That's why we have a program called Grief Share. Get over it. You know, some people, they never really get back to life again. That's not biblical. There is a time to get over it. doesn't mean we ever forget them. Of course not. But there has to be a time when we move on with life. Otherwise, we're useless here in this world. Now, look at verse 2. Then Joseph directed the physicians in his service to embalm his father in Israel. Now, remember, in those days, the Egyptians had this embalming process. We still don't understand really how they did it. So the physicians embalmed him. Well, look at this. Taking a full 40 days to embalm the body, for that was the time required for embalming. And the Egyptians then mourned him for 70 days. So 40 days of embalming, 30 days of mourning over him. These are Egyptians mourning over Jacob. Now, Joseph knew as he watched them doing that, he had one more favor to ask from Pharaoh. Now, remember, Pharaoh respected Joseph because of his work ethic, his honesty, his character that matched God. Look at verse 4. When the days of mourning had passed, Joseph said to the Pharaoh's court, the leaders, he wasn't going to address Pharaoh personally. He was allowing others to do this. If I have found favor in your eyes, speak to Pharaoh for me. Tell him, my father made me swear an oath and say, I'm about to die. Bury me in the tomb I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. Now let me, Pharaoh, please go up and bury my father. Then I will return. Now, Joseph had favor with Pharaoh all these years. So he pretty much knows, since his dad asked this, this will not be a problem at all. Then look at verse 6. And Pharaoh said, go up, bury your father as he made you swear to it. So Joseph went to bury his father. All Pharaoh's officials accompanied him, the dignitaries of his court and all the dignitaries of Egypt. Now look how much... Pharaoh respected Joseph. These, what do you call them? Dignitaries, they called them. Remember when President Bush passed. What do you have? People from all over the world, dignitaries come. Well, this is exactly happening here. Pharaoh sends many of his hierarchy people to a funeral. Now, they don't believe in the same God at all. But he respected that. And those dignitaries went with him. Notice who else goes. Look how big this is. Besides them, all the members of Joseph's household, his brothers, and those belonging to his father's household, only their children and their flocks and their herds were left in Goshen. 
Now look how big this is. How in the world are they going to get there? Chariots and horsemen also went up with him. It was a very large company. No kidding. And when they reached the threshing floor of Atad near the Jordan, they lamented loudly and bitterly. And there Joseph observed a seven-day period of mourning for his father. Wow. Big, respective time for the life of Jacob. Verse 14. Go down to verse 14. After burying his father, Joseph returned to Egypt. So a long trip, remember, days and days and days to get there, days and days to get back. They come back. They come back all the way to Egypt. After burying his father, Joseph returned to Egypt together with his brothers and all the others, the Egyptians and the Jewish people who had gone with him to bury his father. Now, this is an interesting thing. Verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead... They said, now if you write in your Bible, this is a good two words to write, because I'm going to have a lot to say about it. They said to themselves, not to Joseph, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Now, what if is not a game. I used to talk about the what if as a game. It's not a game. It's Satan's path to worry. You see, what if means there's no trust in God? What if? Satan loves to attack our minds and fill it with worry. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I don't ever use that word. Oh, yes, you do. So do I. You go to the doctor, and he says, I'll call you next week if there's any need for more surgery or if the cancer is advanced. During those days, what are you playing But it's not plain. What if? What if I get the call? Or you wake up after you've had a surgery, and all of a sudden, something isn't right in your body. And you go, man, what what if this is an infection that I... Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? We all play those kind of things. And it's not a game. It's causing us worry. There's no peace. There's no joy. And it's like we control everything. No, we don't control everything. You'll learn at the end of the teaching today, our lives are not in man's hands. Our lives are in God's hands. Now think about it. Maybe you're out there. What if? What if? Well, what are you going to do about what if? You can't do anything about it. So here's what Jesus says. Look at how powerfully Jesus talks about this. Because what if is always absolutely connected with fear and anxiety. Watch this. So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers because they don't have God in their life. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Healing, spiritual, emotional, whatever. Look at it as it goes on now. Second part. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you how much? Everything you want. Oh, there's a few of you. You got it. Everything we want. How about what we want? No, because some stuff we want isn't good for us. You've been eating it for the last three weeks. Now, let's move on. And he said he will give you everything you need. Let's read this together. Let's go. So don't worry about tomorrow. 
Well, why shouldn't I worry about tomorrow? How's this going to work? Did I get the right gift? What's it look like? No, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Hallelujah. No. Today's trouble, today's trouble is enough for today. Can I hear an amen right there? That's enough. That's enough. What happens tomorrow? That's God's deal. We'll work with it. We'll trust him. Amen. Now, notice what they're saying. They know that Jacob is dead. The father in an Israeli home, especially in those days, he ruled the roost. You obeyed the father. Now that Jacob is dead, Joseph's brother worry, they're left in the hands of Joseph in Egypt. He's the second most powerful man in Egypt. And somehow they believe this. He's going to find a way, now that dad's gone, to get even to get revenge and pay them back for all the evil they did. Do you know the Bible speaks a lot about revenge? Look at these verses, Romans 12, 19. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, God's judgment. For it is written, it is mine, God's, to pass the judgment, the to avenge. I will replay, says the Lord. Now look at Hebrews 10.30. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. See, sometimes when somebody does wrong against us, sometimes it was an accident, but we blame them. The judge, which is God, he's the only one that can rule our mind. He knows what we're thinking. He knows our motives. I don't know motives of other people because that's the inside. God knows it. He is a just judge. Now, what does this mean? Here's what you want to write this morning. Christ followers are not to get revenge. Don't you go after trying to pay back, but forgive and simply let God be God. God knows. He'll take care of it. Trying to get revenge and pay even will ruin your and my life. We simply cannot do it. Now, verse 16. So they sent word to Joseph. They said this together. What are we going to do? The brothers are just talking together. Look at me. They're just talking together. Man, he's going to get us. What are we going to do? So they're going to send word to Joseph. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father Jacob left these instructions before you died. Now, everybody looks at me for a moment. What I'm going to read to you Quite a few commentaries and commentariers, people, they don't believe this is a true story at all. They believe that the brothers are making up this. You'll see what I mean when I walk through it. They don't believe Jacob said this at all, but they believe this was them trying to get an upper hand over Joseph. Well, look what supposedly Jacob said, which we don't know. We never will know till we get to heaven. Joseph, this is what we're to say to you. From dad. Daddy said to say this. Here we go. I ask you to forgive your brothers for the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God of your father. And when the message came to him, Joseph wept. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked about Jacob's death and the oath he made Joseph swear to him. You learned about Joseph's brother's plot to deceive him, which showed how little they trusted him. 
you saw Joseph's good faith toward his brothers over and over, which is an example of how God is faithful to you no matter how often you fail him. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Only God Can Take the Bad and Make It Good. You'll hear about the burial of Jacob. You'll also hear about the attempt by Joseph's brothers to speak on behalf of their dead father and the grief this caused. Pastor Mark will use this part of the story to warn you against unforgiveness and living with a guilty conscience. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. Together, let's do life right. in a hurting world a new hope he is giving